Amen. I'm going to open up with a story. You like stories? I like stories. I've got a peppermint in my mouth. <laughs> Not the best time to put a microphone. But uh, anyway, a young violin prodigy was walking down the street one day trying to decide whether or not to pursue a life in music when he came upon the most famous violin teacher in the world. Scarcely believing his luck, he stopped the great teacher and asked if he could play for him, thinking he would abandon his dream of a career in music if the great teacher told him he was wasting his time. The teacher nodded silently for him to begin, so he played, beads of sweat soon appearing on his forehead, and when he finished, he was certain he'd given his finest performance. But the great maestro only shook his head sadly and said, You lack the fire. The young musician was devastated. Nevertheless, he returned home and announced his intention to abandon the violin. Instead, he entered the world of business and turned out to have such a talent for it that in a few short years, he found himself richer than he had ever imagined possible. Almost a decade later, he found himself walking down another street in another city when he happened to spot the great teacher again. He rushed over to him. I'm so sorry to bother you, he said, and I'm sure you don't remember me, but I stopped you on the street years ago to play my violin for you. I just want to thank you. Because of your advice, I abandoned my greatest love, the violin, and became a businessman. And today, I enjoy great success, which I owe all to you. But one thing you must tell me, how did you know I didn't have what it takes? How did you know all those years ago I lacked the fire? The great teacher shook his head sadly and said only, you don't understand. I tell everyone who plays for me they lack the fire. And if you had the fire, you wouldn't have listened. We're on a series Pastor David initiated a while back, in which he began looking at pursuit. Pursuit in relation to God and to the things he's called us to. Have you been thinking about it? Have you been thinking about what God has spoken to you? How many people in their lives here have heard from God? Now, if you've read the Bible, everybody should have their hand up. <laughs> Trick question. <laughs> What's he called you to? Are you asking, seeking, knocking? Pastor David, do you notice this morning it's raining, by the way? Amen. For, uh, for those who aren't privy to what I'm talking about, check out last week's sermon. You can do it online, uh, and you'll be in the know. Uh, are you ready to declare what God's spoken over you because God said so? How about on Monday? <laughs> or on Wednesday? In this series, our pastors have encouraged us to pursue God, not to settle for second best in light of what God has said, to recover what was stolen or lost to the enemy, plus taking back a bit more. We've been reminded that we are treasured by God and not delicate but warriors for his kingdom. And one of the goals of this series has been to encourage us to pursue, to run after, to chase with intention the incredible and awesome God who's called us to himself. As I've listened to this series, I've been brought again and again to the same thought. That is, I believe with pursuit to go all in for the long haul takes a necessary ingredient. It's passion. Something more than just a strong interest. Those deep powerful, almost uncomfortable, sometimes combustible feelings that propel us forward towards the very thing we just can't be without. 
even if we have to suffer to get it. Passion. Proverbs 17.26 says, Life motivation comes from the deep longings of the heart and the passion to see them fulfill urges you onward. Have you met a passionate person before? Or listened to a singer who sang not just a passionate song, but sang their song passionately? Heard a rousing speech from a film character or a historical person and felt yourself stirred inside? There's something about passion that attracts us, that grips our soul. There's a longing inside us to carry the fire. Perhaps because in that fire we see someone alive and moving. One of the notable qualities of our Savior was his passion. As the disciples marveled at Jesus overturning the money changers' tables in the temple, they remembered the scripture, zeal for your house will consume me. His crucifixion is known as the passion, and the road he walked, the Via Dolorosa, the way of sorrow. Hebrews 12, verse 12 says, For the joy set before him endured the cross and scorned its shame. He was a man who lived life alive with passion, vibrant and purposeful. Don't we want to live life like that? Yet as I reflected on pursuing God, I had to ask what gets in the way of people having passion for God? What stunts our pursuit of him in the life he's called us to? Would you say you have a real passion for God? What would you consider you have a passion for? Some of the tests of passions are in asking, would you do it for free? What if it costs you? Would you suffer for it? Jeremiah 20 verse 9 says, But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. If we lack passion, how do we get it? We go away from an impassioned speaker feeling alive, feeling the heat from their fire only after leaving it for it to soon fade and feel cold again because we've not carried their fire with us. Is it then that we make it happen? Philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre said, we must act out of passion before we feel it. And I've heard of a study related to motivation, specifically related to gym motivation, (laughs) in which it was reported that most motivation came after a person began working out and not before. A lot of people think they have to get motivated to get to the gym. In the study, it said actually it was built after, after doing it. And shouldn't we have passion? I've never known passion to come from an ought. But we do feel it. If I love my Lord, wouldn't I? Wouldn't I do this? Wouldn't I do that? A famous historical account has been said before, and it's worth repeating. Charles Peace, a criminal in mid-1800s England, maimed as a child. He became a thief and a murderer. He was captured, convicted, and sentenced to death by hanging. As he was escorted on the death walk by the prison chaplain, who was reading aloud from the consolations of God about the fires of hell, Peace burst out, Sir, if I believe what you and the Church of God say what you believe, Even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it. If need be on hands and knees and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from eternal hellfire like that. 
One of the remarkable things about a statement is that it touches the very core of our passions and our pursuit of God. What do we believe? Pastor David said, your life reflects where you live, what you believe. And Pastor Nelson said, God calls into existence what needs to happen. Do you really believe what God has said? When I heard this, I found it helpful to be asked again, what do I believe? Because it's the very thing that I've been wrestling my heart in the weeks prior to the message. Let me ask, what do you believe? What do you believe about what you believe? As I reflected, I came to understand our passions directly linked to what we believe and disbelieve. What does the church believe? And what does it disbelieve? I'm not asking what the church teaches. I'm asking what do we genuinely, deeply at our core, what do we believe? Not what are we taught, not are we supposed to believe, not what we were raised to believe, not what we want to or hope to believe, but what does our naked, unadorned heart believe? In our very soul, if we could look at it, would we say, it is this, and I cannot say otherwise? Do we have beliefs? Yes. Are beliefs and faith the same? I don't think so. But can you have real faith without belief? No. Can you have real passion without belief? No. Can you move into the promises of God without belief? No. And stop. Put that aside for a second. Moses said to God, unless you come with us, we're not going. God had said to the Israelites to go on without him, and he would bless them to receive the land. Moses saw that greater than the gifts was he who gave them. You cannot move into relationship with him without belief. That is that he is God. That he is who he is. And he is who he has revealed himself to be. That is character, nature, acts, words, which demonstrate and confirm his desire, his will, and intentions are his and reveal him. Do we really believe Jesus? Do we really believe Jesus? Do we believe what he said? Do we believe what he did? I've heard complimentary things about Jesus and his word from people who also say his ways don't work in our world. What do you believe about Jesus, the Christ, the resurrected, eternally living, virgin-born, miracle-working Son of the living God? Great Christian thinkers, great agnostic thinkers, great atheist thinkers, great spiritual thinkers, they all have thoughts, all have words, all have lives with choices. The world with a variety of intentions is screaming out their proclamations and desperate to find someone, let alone hope for a people, who in the core of their living soul have heard and believe truth. And my belief does not make something exist, but it allows me to respond to something that exists. My belief or disbelief positions me in regard to the thing believed or disbelieved. Our beliefs can be informed by our past experiences, negative or positive, direct or indirect. And sometimes we need to consider what has affected what we believe. Is it doubt? Is it impatience? Is it sin? Psalm 32, David said, Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish and misery. 
The pain never let up, for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought. Hebrews 6 verse 12 cautions, so don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who receive what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. One of the great things about that scripture is that it tells you you have a choice. Now maybe passion can't be created, but it can be ignited. Song of Songs 4 verse 6 says, I've made up my mind. Until the darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come, in spite of shadows and fears, I will go to the mountaintop with you, the mountain of suffering love and the hill of burning incense. Yes, I will be your bride. Ask yourself. Take time to think about it, to question. What do you believe? Be aggressive in it. Be courageous in it. God already knows. Then when you discover it, test it. Is it true? When you come to a place that you find you know what you believe and what you believe you know is true, then you can say this is and I cannot say otherwise. You will not end up like the violin student who lacked passion. Even as he played the first time for his teacher, he was preparing himself to walk away. Did you hear that in the story? He didn't believe. And because he didn't believe, he couldn't recognize the need. He couldn't have passion. Nelson Mandela said, there's no passion to be found playing small and settling for a life less than the one you are capable of. God loves you passionately and desires your passion for him. Song of Songs 8, verse 6. If you believe that the bridegroom of that represents Christ. This is what he says to his bride, to you. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forever. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave all-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. You know, as a... This is going to be a really short sermon. (laughs) Ask yourself, what do you believe? What do you really, in the very core of your being, believe? You know, I was doing that yesterday. My wife graciously gave me a part of the morning to prepare. Her and the kids were out at a quiet place at home. And I started asking myself some of the simple, the basic questions. Things you think, well, he's a pastor up there preaching. He should know some of this already, but you still. As a Christian following Christ... I ask the most basic questions. One of them is, do I believe God exists? Do I really, really believe? I'm not talking about a reactionary statement that I've been brought up with or something I need to believe because otherwise my life falls apart. I'm talking about at my core, 
at my heart, am I fully convinced? Am I fully, 100%, whatever the consequences, this is just where it is, right or wrong, good or evil, what is it? I believe. And that simple thing, where I could spend time and look at it, and I could come to that conclusion, and I wrestled with it. I didn't just say, do I believe you? I do. No, no, no. I went through some different thoughts. And I came to a part where I realized that I believe, and because I believe, although I knew that already, you know what it did for me? When I prayed a little while later, there was another awareness that, wait a second, there is a God, a person who hears my prayers. A reawakening, in a sense, the fact that there is someone other than me that's hearing us. Is he hearing me? Is he actually listening to me? You go through these questions. If you want passion in your life, a conviction, it has to come from a place of belief. If there's a lack of passion, or at least a desire of passion, stop and ask yourself, what is it in my core? What is it that I truly, deeply, actually, whatever the cost, what is it I believe? And follow it up with, is what I believe true? I'm going to close this off with something. Like I said, it was going to be a short sermon. <laughs> I'm going to read to you the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed. I'm sure everybody's heard it before. It's the one creed that's ecumenical that all churches tend to agree on. But the reason I'm going to read this to you is I want you to think about this. Take these thoughts home with you. You know this. Some of it you could probably repeat it verbatim with me as I read it. But stop and take time to ask yourself, do I really believe this? Do I believe all of this? Is this truth? Do I believe truth exists? (laughs) I believe in one God. The Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And Catholic there is universal, not universal church, but universal as in the whole. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. 
Do you believe that? Deeply, deeply convinced that you can say this is, and I can't say otherwise. And if you've got doubts, you know what? God already knows it. God already knows it. He sees you. So if you've got them, don't ignore them. You are where you are. Start working through them. Start working with them. Start going to the place where you need to go to know what you believe, to believe what you believe. Because out of that comes passion. And out of that passion comes impact. Whether you're standing in front of a, a thousand people, whether you're standing in your living room in front of your kids. If you want to come alive, if you want to step into the relationship that you've always desired with God, if you want to have the impact you believe that he's promised you or see the things that he's spoken to you, check. Do I believe? Do I believe? Father God, thank you. You are God and there is none other. You see every one of us wherever we are, Lord God, in each state. Some of us are passionate for you already. Some of, them, some of us aren't sure. And some of us want to be. Lord God, wherever we are, I know that you come to meet us. You've called us to, you are working now even by your Holy Spirit in each one of our lives to will and to do according to good purpose. So I just pray that for every one of us, Lord God, awaken our hearts to you. Awaken our hearts to you, Lord God. We can taste and see and know that you are good. That we can move beyond a foundation and build upon it what you've called us to build. We thank you so much for who you are. We ask your blessing on us. Bless us to remember whether it be today, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.